between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. again to you to do your shepherding work, your saving work, your redeeming work upon our soul. Said by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. We've come for justification by your knowledge to be made righteous. Lord, as you you speak to us right things, things that are correct according to your righteousness. Thank you for utterance to fetch your thoughts and uh, grace to pick your voice, to hear your voice and, and grant us privilege of fellowship with your will this morning to, to want to step into your thoughts and your own economy of things this morning not to we don't want to share our own thoughts and things but we want help expressly by the spirit to push us push us Lord beyond our weakness and infirmity to arrive at the, the plane of blessing this morning where you speak where you cause your doctrine to distill us the dew upon the mountain of Zion, where you command the blessing. Thank you, Father. Use my heart, use my vessel, use my tongue, use my mind, use my being, use my emotions, use my feeling. Use me, use me, Jesus. Use me this morning, just use me. Use me, use me as your own. Make me your very own instrument now, Lord, to speak your holy word, your separated and righteous word. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Pakai Elfreto Animaha. Lord, thank you for the breath of the Spirit which we will ride on this morning. And Lord, the ensuing grace that will rest upon our heart as we open your word. Thank you for it. We give you all the glory, our Father. We bless your holy name this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning to you. You can have your seats. Um, let's thank God for the worship team. <clears throat> thank you, Father. We give you praise. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah.
Yes. There's provision in the house. I have made provision in my light for you. I have made provision in my light for you. For my light is your calling. It is your calling. It is your calling. It is your calling that ligante begosti vanti abadosta vagabadose elia prete legetosi vati la katata tali abadosa alla prete begede bere 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 bosti baba 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 legedosa. It is in light. It is my light. It is my light. It is my oil joy glide light. It is my oil light. My oil light. Oil light. The oil light. The oil light. The oil light. It is in light. It is in light. Even my oil is in light. My oil is in light. My oil is in light. The anointing, the anointing is in my light. It flows from my head down to my feet and it's coming to you. For there is provision of my light for you. There is provision of my light for you. There is provision of my light in the house today. There is provision of light. There is provision of light. Do not look at your darkness, but look to my light. Look to my light. Look to my light. For in my light, darkness can't stand. I have brought you light. I have brought you light. For many may say, I do not understand. But look to the light. Keep looking at the light. Keep looking at the light. And the day will dawn in your heart. The day will dawn on your heart. The day will dawn in your heart. Keep looking to this light. Keep looking to this light. For I have said, have I not said that the path of the just is in light? It is in light. And it keeps shining. It is shining. And it shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the day dawn and the day star will rise in your heart. Keep looking at this light for as you look you are coming closer. You may not see it, you may not know it, but as you look you are coming closer and I am closer. I am nearer than when you first began. I am nearer than you first began for it is a lie light, a lie light, a lie light, a light light, a lie light, a lie light, light a lie, a lie light. Even in Eli is the light. In Eli is the master light. In Eli is the master light. Eli master light. Eli master light is coming to you. It is coming to you. Keep coming. Don't lose gaze. Don't lose your focus. Stay
stay on the light. Stay on the light. For in that light you will see the master Eli light. You will see the Eli light. Eli light. Eli light. Eli light. Eli light. For it is the Eli. I am raising Eli. I am raising Eli. I am raising Eli. For it is in my light. And my light is shining. I have come to shine. I have provided light. There is light for you. There is light for you. I have also sent my ministering spirit for to help. For to help. For you. You are the ones that are called unto salvation. You are called unto salvation. So they are here for to help. 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 Trust in me. Trust in my light. Trust in my light. For this is your calling. This is your profession. This is what you've been called for. And this is how you make your election sure. By staying on my light. Stay on my light until you come to Eli Light. Jesus. God will bless your name. We receive your words. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. I've said good morning, have I? Okay, good morning if I, if I didn't say it, amen. Are you happy to be here? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can say good morning to someone and just welcome them this morning, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's see Revelation chapter 19. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Please, let's thank my wife, please. I'm sorry, I'm always asking you. Sorry, I'm always asking you to appreciate her. You just need to help me to do that. Because it's not easy. 
Um, so I know sitting there is not very comfortable. Maybe we need to get a better chair for her so that she can, because uh, it's not, uh, it's not very easy. But thank you, honey. God bless you. God bless you for, for serving the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> okay, Revelation chapter 19. Let's read verse, uh, from verse 7. Revelation 19, verse 7 says that, Let us be glad, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Amen. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife had made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto me, Right, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me that these are the word, are the true sayings of God. Amen. Amen. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me that, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of what? The spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Praise God. Verse 7 said that we should be glad and rejoice, give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife had made herself what ready. His wife has made herself ready. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the marriage, of course, if there is going to be uh, a marriage of the Lamb, when he says the marriage has come, it means that the, the season of, this is a time when the, the wife and the lamb have, are no longer separated. Um, in other words, they can. Something has happened to bring them closer for the point of marriage. That before this time, why the marriage hadn't happened is because there was something stopping the marriage of the lamb and his wife. So things were not really set for marriage. But it came to a point where they said that you should rejoice and be glad and then give honor to him because the marriage of the lamb is come. That means the, the time of marriage of the lamb has come. And they now explain that the marriage is coming has something to do with the wife making herself what ready. So I think you can almost infer that the reason why the marriage hadn't happened was because the wife, his wife, wasn't ready, or she hadn't made herself ready. Praise God! And so when she made herself ready, then the season of marriage, praise God can happen now. This readiness, uh, what is this, this readiness of the lamb? Let us see 
concerning the uh, Revelation chapter 22, they spoke concerning the, the state of readiness. Uh, the state of readiness, the state and the attitude of readiness of, of the, the wife of the Lamb. If you see Revelation chapter 22, verse, let's read from verse 16. Praise the Lord. Revelation 22, 16, verse 1, it says, sorry, verse 16. It says, I, Jesus, came, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things. Amen. To testify unto you these things were in the churches. To testify unto you these things in the churches. Now, when he's saying, I've sent my angel to testify unto you these things, this is not a general statement concerning maybe the church of Christ or the body of Christ in the world globally or something or everywhere, such that every Christian can just include themselves there. Um, we know one of the things we've established from this book of Revelation is, is who it's written to. It's not, this book is not written to the general church. It's written to, from chapter one, we've been, we've been emphasizing on that aspect of it's the writing to servants of God. Praise God. So a, a particular crop of people who have made certain journey in the spirit, who are in the churches, but who are able to make certain journey in the spirit to a place where they are candidate to receive this testimony or what this angel testifies. Praise God. So he said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Praise God. And I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. And concerning what was the testimony to the churches, we saw a summary of the message to the churches. Sort of a summary. Maybe not a summary, but um, a highlight maybe of the message to the churches from chapter 3, chapter 2, and chapter what, 3 of Revelation, where he was writing to the seven churches. After he encountered the Lord, he turned behind him to see the voice that spoke to him, and he saw him and described him among the, the lampstands. Amen. Praise the Lord, the seven lambs. And then he spoke concerning them. Amen. So he said each lampstand, all the seven lampstands are the seven churches which were in God's presence. Praise the Lord. And so he began to then said, said to him to begin to write all those things to the churches. And we saw what was written toward to the churches, which was a highlight, praise God, of those things. So he's saying that um, concerning this, um, I have sent my angel to testify unto you these things, this particular message in the churches. And I am the root and the offspring of David, and then what? The bright and the what? And the morning star. Then verse 17 said, and the spirit and the bride say come. Amen. The spirit and the bride say what? Say come. So, to be honest with you, that's, um, he spoke about many things in the, in the, in the Bible, in, the, in Revelation. He picked each church and extra where they were and talk about their works, 
what they are doing good. And then he began to spoke about their fault, yet I have ought against you. I still have this thing against you. And then he will now begin to tell them what they need to do. Then he that does all these things will I give him the morning star, or I will give him a new name, or I will cause to sit with me. I get in the pattern. Each of those churches, there was a pattern of the writing to the churches. Praise God. So those, each of those churches, you had people at different states um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the profession of service or in the profession of serving God. Now, so, but it, it then moved on, the book now, the details of the book now began to open, right? From after speaking to the churches, they now began to show John, the Bible says from chapter four, that I, behold, I saw and a door opened in heaven and I heard a voice say, come up, come up here. And then he went up and he began to see, so the order of heaven. Then chapter five, he then looked and saw a throne right, and then saw so one sat on the throne who was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and all of that, and he now, he now, he now saw something, an, ex, an, an experience of a lamb who was there also, who later came to the right hand of him that sat and took the book and then opened it. So we now saw that the actual opening of the revelation was, was contained within, um, happened based on what the lamb was able to do, to receive the book. And then, you know, the reason for that book is accuracy. There was, there's an accurate, accurate um, description, accurate guidance of service in the book that was not, that needed to be fully open. The book of Revelation is the full revelation, the complete revelation. Praise the Lord. And we saw different things now began to happen from that chapter five, then on to chapter six. You now saw the opening of the seals. The seals opened, the seals opened from so one, two, three, four, five, right, seals. Then after the seal opened, then the book itself began to open up. And you saw the content of the book. So everything after that was talking about the content of the book, which... Those, these churches should come into, or the revelation that's given to help these churches at the point where they, where they were. Praise God. So after all the revelation, we know we, the revelation ended in the city, appearing, coming down out of heaven. Praise God, which is a city, which is the destiny of the church to find an abode in heaven. And we saw the order of the new world. You see chapter 21 and then chapter 22, Praise for itself for 21. Say, for I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Praise God. And then he now saw the new Jerusalem coming down. Then they described the city. And into chapter 22, he showed him a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal. Proceeding. That, that was now showing 22 ended with speaking about the, the, eternal, the eternal ministry. The, the picture of chapter 2. Is talking about that. We want to think about what what will be the final picture of ministry. That's that's Revelation chapter twenty two. It's the, the you see the flow of the pure river of water of life. That's the final picture of ministry, and that that water is going to flow and flow. It's going to flow. There will be inhabitants of the earth, new earth, heaven. Are you seeing all of that? Uh-huh. So, the book of Revelation is the completeness of the program, right, of God for man. And then he ended it 
in this verse 16, saying that I sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. And then telling you who he is, I'm the root and the offspring of David. Then, then verse 17 is now coming back to, is now coming back to where the churches are. Praise God. That is coming back to where the what? The, 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 the point of the church. Or he's, he's, look, he's, he's looking at the, um, praise God. He's giving the, is stating, okay, based on all this revelation, what are we expecting that should begin to happen? Like, what is the revelation? What is he expected to do or to trigger from what? From the churches. And we are seeing here from verse 17. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say what? Say, come. And let him that is at thirst come. So you're seeing coming and coming. Praise God. So for the marriage of the lamb to come, there has to be coming that will meet coming. There is a, a coming that will call forth a coming. Praise God. So the, the spirit and the bride, let us say come. Praise God. Then the spirit and the bride saying come. That word saying is a, is a call. It's not just a prayer. Praise God to say that when you kneel and say, Lord, I want you to come now. Please come. Um, you can pray it, but that is not the saying. That praying is this one saying. There is a saying come. It means there's something that in the heart, there's a positioning of the heart that it equals a cry to the Lord. There's a, it's actually a state of the heart that is equal to what? A cry of the Lord, to the Lord, sorry, calling the Lord or calling the bridegroom, calling him to come. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, you see, let him that hear it say come, then and let him that is attest come. Praise God. Let he that heareth say come. Then let the, him that is attest say what? Let him that is attest come. And whosoever will, that let him take the water of life freely. Praise God. So this coming here is the same coming of Isaiah. Oh, he that tested, let him what? Come ye to what? Praise the Lord. So let's, let's read Isaiah very quickly. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> How many people are tired of hearing God's word? Let me just see your hand up. Nobody. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> You'll never be tired in Jesus' name. Because you're, going to be hearing, you're going to be hearing God's word for eternity. Praise God, so we might as well get used to it. Praise God. <laughs> Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, Oh, everyone that thirsted, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone that thirsted, come ye to the waters. And he that had no money, come ye, buy and eat. Ye come, 
buy wine and milk without money and without price. And wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which testified, which satisfied not, sorry, hacking diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness and incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. And then I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the word, sure mercy of who? Of David. Even the sure mercies of what? Of David. Praise God. So, so you're seeing the end of coming. One of the, the, when the, the, the end of coming, praise God, coming is... Praise God. The end of coming is the is marriage. Praise God. The end of coming is marriage. Oh, another word for marriage is the making of an everlasting covenant. The, the marriage of the Lamb is the making of an everlasting covenant. All right? Praise God. So you're seeing it here that he's saying, come, you test it, you know, is calling. And then the end of the calling is the making of an everlasting covenant. And he called that covenant, even the word, even the sure word, mercies of David. Praise the Lord. Now, back to Revelation chapter 17. Let's go back there. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is at thirst come. And then whosoever will, let him take the water of life what, freely. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, the, um, you can relate these two verses. They are, it's very clear they are the same thing. They're talking about the same thing. Right? But in chapter, so here in verse 17, who is, who is saying here is the spirit and the bride. So, who else does the bride call for? The, the bride calls for her what? Who she wants to marry. So if they call her a bride, it's telling you that this is a marriage day. Or is this a marriage day or a season of marriage or something. You have come into marriage conversation. You don't just throw around the word bride anyhow until it's season of marriage, right? Before that, you say, this is my girlfriend or whatever. I don't know what the technical terms are. They always they change from time to time. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But when you start hearing bride, 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 hey, you are talking about marriage. So, so it's very clear that this coming is talking about, it's coming, the kind of coming for marriage that happens when the soul is about to, uh, to get what? Married. So, so you can see why I would say that the marriage is the making of the everlasting covenant. Right, this calling to come is to come and then what? Make and what? An everlasting covenant. Let's read 
here, this verse, uh, let's read verse 18 of Revelation 22. It says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, that if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, that God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of what? The, out of the holy city, and from the things that are what? Written in this book. Just to explain what I mean. That is, when they're saying that don't add, don't take, they're not talking about you going to print an extra pamphlet behind the Bible or something. Or they're not talking about those guys who translate the Bible at things. Those are not the guys who, the prophecy of the book is not this written scripture. The prophecy are things that should come to pass, right? It's what is the, the content of what they want to give to the soul, what the things they want to put inside the soul, which God has written and God has established that the soul should have. So what they are saying here is talking about the, the, the demand of integrity, the level of integrity which God demands for that prophecy, that the prophecy must be carried and handled with integrity. Otherwise, it cannot be acceptable. Now, when, when they say adding to the book, adding to the book is not the same thing as taking away from the book. Those are two different kind of things. Praise God. The, somebody who adds a book, to the book, to be able to add to the book, you, have to, you must be a maker of a lie. Right? Do you get what I'm saying? It's not an ordinary, like you now, I don't, not, nobody here has the ability to add to the book. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I hope none of you have, <laughs> I hope none of you have that ability <laughs> to add to the book. <laughs> Praise God. He that add to the book is he that, is he that makes a lie. Is to add into the book is a beastly operation. That's one of the main reasons for why they raised the false prophet, which is the beast that rose out of the earth, is to add to the book, is to, to bring forth a, a wrong prophecy. It's called false prophet. He that can prophesy things that are false. So it's very clear that the false prophet is a maker of, an, of image. If you read Revelation chapter 13, right? He's a maker of, he's a builder. That's his job. He's, why he carries out of the earth is to build the image that men can see. Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I, I said before that every building of image is a godly operation. And God actually was, is the only person who was designed to build images. He's the only person who should be building image. But Satan promoted himself to the position of a god and took on the activity of also building images. And an image is that is the problem of mankind. That's all of our problem are just images. Images. All other images that God did not build, which another God, God of this world. And God did not fight the title with him. Say, no, you are not a God. I'm the only one. God even called him. Scripture called him God. Praise the Lord. And God identifies it. God, I agree because God knows I, I put some sort of godly property. When I made you, I gave you some kind of godly sort of ability because of the realm from which you were hewn. You were hewn out of the realm of gods. You understand what I mean? So, but 
It's not, not every God of, of stature should be an image-making God. Only the true God should be an image-maker. Do you understand? But Satan took on the responsibility on, his, on himself and began to do that. Amen. And then it's not, not only that, he wants to give that, same, that seat and authority from where he did that. He said, I want to give that thing to a man, to, to a man to be also be a maker of what images. Are you, so that's, see, nobody should take, don't take that kind of job description. When you see that kind of job being advertised, don't apply. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> May your soul never apply for that job. <laughs> Praise God. The job of what? The job of the seat of Satan. Amen. And you know that that false prophet is not the only one who will be the false prophet. His job is to raise many other prophets who he will teach them the skill of making images upon the earth. Souls will begin to cooperate with him to make, and there are guys who are already learning the job. They are already apprentices of the, of the Antichrist in making of what? Of image. What is an image? An image is anything that calls for worship, right? Anything that, is, that has the ability to make men think about worshiping or, or have a response of worshiping. That is an image. You understand what I mean? Praise the Lord. So, um, this adding to the book is talking about is a, is a creative, you cannot add unless you have some creative ability. You, to add, it mean, add means it's not there. You must be able to bring forth something to add. So that's why they didn't talk about the plagues when it came to adding the plagues that are in the book. They didn't say anybody who removes, they will give add plagues to them. That's a different thing. Who, who will, they will, the plagues are for, it's for those people who what, who can make lies, which is a very, very evil work to do. You understand? Uh-huh. So that is them that what, add unto this Add unto these things. The God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. Then, verse 19, And if any man shall then take away from the word of the book. Now, taking away from the word of the book is also, is also very bad. But it's not the same as adding. So, taking away from the word of the book means that is any soul who is, who is given privilege to carry the book, but... They refuse to journey into the fullness of the prophecy. The, are you getting what I'm saying? The removal is talking about inside, inside your own soul. Inside yourself. You don't, you, you, you don't handle the prophecy with its fullness. You don't, have, you don't have the attitude to journey into the fullness, the exactness of the image which the prophecy is prophesying concerning. Amen. So... When you see a soul who is who journeyed halfway, ah, they check, they, they, they measure the soul with the book, the prophecy, or they say, no, something has been removed. So it's not complete. It's not what the what? It's not complete. Praise the Lord. So for anybody who shall take away part out of the book of life, and say, God, then God shall take away his own part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. 
So when you're talking about someone's part in the book of life, you know the book is the city. Do you agree with that? The book is the city. You cannot separate the book from the city. The book, when you say the city emerges, the city is the is the is the is the is the actualization of what is written in the book. There's no difference between the book and the city. Everything you find in the book, when they show you the city, you can go and locate it. Okay, this one that's written here, this is actually where it is. This other one that's here, ah, that's where it is. It's like translating an architecture diagram to building, right? Like this building, before this building was raised, it was first in a book. It is the guys who built the house, this place we are in, they read a book to know how to build it. You understand? They read what? They read a book to know what? How to, the same way Moses read a book to know. Everything that God told Moses, Moses wrote things down. <clears throat> so what God was actually giving to Moses was, was actually pattern, record of building. And they had to now begin to lift out what was written which God said and convert it into a physical house. That is standing. Praise God. I'm very sure Solomon did the same thing. I'm sure that everything that David told Solomon concerning the temple, he didn't just memorize it. I know he was smart, but I doubt that even just for just the attitude of carefulness, he must have written it down somewhere. David must have actually drawn the specification of the temple for Solomon, and he must have translated it from a book because when he was building, his father had died. So he must have taken it from the book are you getting what I'm saying? To actually build the temple. So that's just a, a general way of how. Every house you see that standing, that is not just a house of someone who just says, oh, let me just build and let's see where it leads. I'm talking about something that's built according to pattern. Right? Every building that's built according to pattern is, is the enactment of something in a book. That's just the same wisdom of the book of Revelation here. So when you see... From writing, after a while, it took, it, it, you fe- the first thing you saw was scrolls. Scroll in the hand of him that sat. The scroll had to be opened. Then things had to came out of the scroll. Then Revelation turned scroll into what? City. In the end, you now saw the city which was in the book. The city was in the book the whole time. That it, it's that city that had to be revealed. Out of, the, out of the lamb. The lamb was holding the city inside the book. Are you seeing that? So the, the revelation was just talking about how the, what is written in the book will become actually a city that is built. Are you seeing that? So you cannot separate book from city. So if someone's part is taken out of the book of life, verse 19, it then means just by necessity, his part is also not there in what? In the holy city. Amen. So, how does a soul not... So, they said taking out of the book. The, the, way, the way a soul takes out things out of the book is by not joining to fulfillment. The, and it seems like reverse thinking, but I'm just, it's, it's, it's mind of God. It's not man's mind. If it's a man who wrote it, he will say, he who didn't finish what is in the book... But this is God. What they are telling you is that the way God thinks is 
the, the work was already finished already. It's as if God is thinking from reverse. So if, when God sees you, you will surprise the question he will ask you. He won't ask you, he might not ask you, oh, why didn't you inherit every, come into everything that was written? He might tell you, why did you delete some things? Because in his mind, you are already finished already. When he slew the lamb from the foundation of the world, remember when he killed him from that. By, by that time, when he did that, all of us, our, our full image, do you, know, do you know the complete you, God sees it, is inside God, the, the prototype. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't understand. It is a serious wisdom in the Bible. That's why it's hard for you to go and see where they say, in the, I don't know, maybe it's the movie I haven't seen it, where they talk about writing somebody's name in the book of life. It's very hard to see where they talk about actively writing. It's only removing. <laughs> right. You understand? Have you ever thought about that before? Okay, why is that? This, okay, go on. When this happening, I will now go and write. It should be like maybe at this, at this chapter 22. It should, should be when they are writing the name, but eventually, those who made it, you guys are the ones who made it all. So let's now write your name. But it's not like that. It's like see if the names are already written. But the Bible only talks about the removal. I will blot his name out. I will remove the name. I will talk about it. You get what I'm saying? It's, so God does not, God is a different kind of being. He's not like man. He's not programmed like you. He's a God who sees the end from the beginning. Things are already finished in him. But he gave men will. And the, the problem with man's will is that man can exclude themselves by their will from the finished work of God. So if you don't understand this about God, you will not understand the Bible. You will not understand what they are saying things about you being seated with him in heavenly places. Why? It always sounds as if everything has already happened. It's because it's not matching with how you think. Because of our own nature. We know we are fearful. We don't have courage. We don't have faith. We always think, ah, the way we think is God. God will say, let's not write it first. Let's see what they will do. <laughs> you know that fear? You know, after Satan has displayed and done, ah, he said, these men, I can't trust them. Leave that. Let's leave the book blank. Let's not write anything here. Let's just see. Because these guys that we are we're giving this thing called will to, we don't know what they will do with it. But God is not like that. God had finished it. You need to understand God's mind about you. God finished it. I know the thought I have towards the thought of God to bring you to an expected end. That word expected actually means a finished end. It is sealed. It is done. Every victory you ever fight, God already has already won it for you. There's no victory that there's no battle, sorry, that you will fight that God didn't already win. It's just they're just trying to can you can they is there a way they can Get your victory to you. It's not for you to go and fight again and then reinvent battle plan. No, there's already a plan of battle. It has already worked. It has finished. When it comes to principality and power, Jesus already spoiled them. He has spoiled. There's nothing in a principality left to be 
done. It has finished. God has just finished everything. That's the nature of your father. It's just them trying to war with you to get your victory, the knowledge of the way of your victory into your heart and into your mind. Do you understand? This is the, it's another mind. So when, if they can help you to enter this kind of mind, you will never lose a battle again in your life. Do you understand that? Praise the Lord. So that's why it sounds this way, why they are saying that even a man shall take away from the world. So you see, they use take away. That's how they talk. What they really mean is that anybody who doesn't journey to the fulfillment of what the words of the prophecy of this book, that God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And verse 20 says, he which testifieth these things, saith, surely I do what? Come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So you're seeing two commas, right? You're seeing two commas. You're seeing him saying, I come, I mean, I come quickly. And the response is, should, be the, should be the calling, the calling thought of God, the calling thought of the Lord, or the calling thought of who? Of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Now, this, is, this, this, this area here, they are shedding light on. You see, the book here, the book here, book of Revelation, is, is, is ending with zeroing in on the, on, the, on the arena of actually everlasting life. Sometimes I wonder, why did they end the book like this? When you're joining the Spirit, you will know that somehow this place, that this place of coming, asking him to come, even so come. You know that the, the area, arena in the spirit where this conversation is happening, it's not, it's not, it's not the eternal dimension, it's the everlasting dimension. You know why? Because this is when it comes to the, when it comes to, comes to the work that men have to do, this is where it ends. That if a soul can do this. There's no, long, no longer any work again to do. Now, the way the soul, the way the soul will get to God on the throne is not by walking. The final, there's a final journey. The final journey to the throne is not by walking. It's not by walking. Nobody's going to walk to the throne. People who get there get caught up. It's another operation of being caught up. You get caught up to the throne. It's another thing entirely. So no soul will marry the God on the throne. The marriage is not, it's not marriage is not inheriting eternal life. Marriage is not a getting eternal life. Marriage of the Lamb is everlasting life. 
Thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, Makata. Yes. Glory. Okay, you don't have it? Okay. It's just the Lord, God just saying, yes, that I'm, I'm the one who, who will make it happen. Who will make it? That's the, he's saying that that journey is the journey of making. Make. I will make. Make. So that's the, the making, I think. Making is like the coronation. To, to, so people who sit on the throne are made men. Men who God, who God had made. Being made so much better than the angels. So that's just, that's final making. It's talking about what God will do. Which God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And you get what I'm saying? So... That is another, another operation, another thing entirely. What the, the work, the work is that is the making of an everlasting covenant, which is another, is the first, to, before God finishes making the soul eternal. First, that soul has to make an everlasting covenant. So God will make the covenant with the, with the, with the soul. To, so to make the agreement. Are you getting what I'm saying? To make the agreement with a man. First of all, that agreement is the everlasting agreement that makes the soul marry the lamb. So every soul that will end up on the throne of God will get there, not just by virtue of what they did. They will get there because of who they married. Do you understand what I mean? That that world, nobody can walk into that place. The eternal realm of God. You're talking about how does a how does a man get to the realm that was before creation, before the everlasting works of God? Is, a, is actually a, is a state of being. It's inside. It's the. It's talking about a, a habitation within the immortality that dwelleth in light, which no man, no man has seen. No, 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 any man can see. No man can approach unto. Are you seeing that? You cannot. Means the method of approach doesn't know. If you ask the man child, how did you actually get here? <laughs> if you ask the man child how he got into an everlasting state, he can tell you. He can go and show you the book. He will show you these are, these are actually the works. These are the works. He can detail the works of everlasting life to you. But when you meet him on the throne and say, okay, this other dimension now, how did you arrive at here? What will he tell you? He said, I was just, I was what? I was caught up to God. Are you getting what I'm saying? I was caught up to God. So that being caught up is the, is the reward of them who were able to finish the work of God. Praise the Lord. I, am I making some sense to you? This is ma- making some sense. So that, the, the marriage, so you see, who is the lamb? The lamb is the, is the man who 
has married God. Or who has married the God on the throne. The lamb who has married, that's why you see him, when they showed him in chapter, when they introduced him in chapter 5, he was, he was a throne, throne being. He's a throne lamb. He's the lamb. The lamb who sits upon the throne. He's the lamb of the throne. So it's very clear when they say, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the lamb has come. It means that who they want to marry is an eternal being who is a being of the throne of God. Praise the Lord. Who is, come, who, who is now coming to marry? Do you see? Are you seeing that? So if he now marries, then that realm where he is one with, you can't separate him and his bride from that place. So you're seeing that marriage is the qualification for taking the eternal journey. So marriage must have been complete. Any soul who will arrive at, the, at there doesn't just go to the throne. He must get. He must sit with. In that last church, right? He said, "He that overcometh will I grant with, with me to sit on the throne." What? With me. Even as I overcame, I sat with my father. Do you see that? Grant with, read it. He that overcometh. That's Revelation chapter 3, verse, verse 21. He that what? Yes. With me in my throne. Even as I also overcame. So, and, and I'm set down on the throne. I'm set down with my father in the his throne, right? So, you see that word with? There are two wits there. Those two wits are marriages. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Two, two marriages that happened. Yeah. So it means that when Jesus was walking in Galilee and all of that, he was marrying his father. Right? That Jesus wasn't eternal yet. That was the everlasting son or the living son of God. But it's very clear from his speech that he was, that's, that season was a season of, of marriage. It was a time of, of marrying his father. Who, and we know it's, it's very clear his father is eternal. But he's, he's eternal, but he, was, he rolled out an everlasting ministry to his son, Jesus. While, they were, while in Galilee, while they were just was walking, and I, when, I must do the works of him that sent me. While it is day for the night coming, when no man shall walk. He said, I will finish the work. My will is to do the works of, and then to finish it. So it's very clear that the finishing of the works is the, is the finishing of marriage. At that point, that's the, the point of complete union. Why, why he will say, I am my father, we are one. Right, he's talking about, it means that that was his actual school of oneness. Oneness was the purpose of, is the purpose of the school of everlasting life. Do you see that? So that's why, 
says, so he that overcometh will sit with me. You can't sit with him if you're not married to him. The same way I overcame and sat with my father. So it means that you will be sitting with his father, but not directly. You must be, it's, it's, by, it's by sitting with him that you sit. It's still one throne, no? It's not, not two thrones. So he who overcome will sit with me on my throne, even as I overcame and sat with my father in his throne. So if you start with me in my throne, but me, I overcame and sat with my father on his throne, it means my throne is his throne. So it means where you are going to be sitting is also his throne, but not just by yourself. It's you are going to be sitting because of marriage, because you are married to the Lamb. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So it means that marrying the lamb then is the, this is the goal, like this is where, that is why the Bible ends with this, this thing here, that this is actually, you want to you wanna get to the throne of God, you want to sit with, the, with God, and this throne you have to fulfill, the, you have to fulfill the marriage, praise God, thank you. So, your, the, now, so you're seeing here, from this verse 17 to verse 21, let's read again verse, okay, verse 20 quickly. It says that, even he which testified these things said, surely I come quickly, right? Amen. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So it means that he that testified these things is coming, right? He's coming quickly. But he, he, the, the spirit and the bride have to not just say come. They also have to come. That was to elaborate. The, what elaborates this coming is that Isaiah chapter 55 where we read. That is, he who is a test, let him come to the water. So, so he's talking about, so if there is a coming, if this coming is directly to the throne, there will not be, you will not be calling for him to come. Where is he coming from? The throne is the... Beyond the throne, there's no other place. <laughs> so, so, praise the Lord. Amen. So, if he is coming, he's coming from somewhere, means that the marriage, where he's coming from, is from the realm of the throne. So, He's going to come from that realm. He's going to come to a, a, a place where marriage will take place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Coming to marry people. But those, the place where marriage is, is going to take place from is not in the grave. Marriage will not happen in the grave. Marriage is not where we are all coming from. It's not in the world. It's not the, marriage can't happen in those places. There's a realm in journey of soul. Think of, just think of your soul. I mean, there's, a, there's a dimension of, there's a place the soul will journey, will grow into, where the marriage to the Lord, to the Lamb, will be activated. He's is, is now moving to the process of getting married to him. Somebody whose eyes of understanding is just being enlightened, that is not, being, is not getting married to him, to the Lord. 
Somebody who is just beginning, who just entered the holy, the outer court, who has measured, who has just finished separation, hasn't yet married. Do you agree with what I'm saying? It's not the same. And then they begin to measure, touch not this unclean thing, the other unclean thing, removing uncleanness from the soul. It's not yet marriage yet. There is actually a, there's a point of journey in the spirit. A soul must journey past certain things. And then arrive into an arena where the conversation of marriage begins to come. For they begin to talk about now, it's now a season for the soul to get married to the lamb. Am I making some sense to you? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, so there's a journey of coming from your, you have to journey on to come. Then even the Lord will also descend into a particular war realm. Praise God. And then where he will make himself visible for the executor of marriage. And now just to clarify to you, the, the marriage... The marriage is not a one-day thing. The marriage, this marriage in chapter, let's go back to chapter 19. Praise the Lord. The marriage of the Lamb in chapter 19 is not, is not an event. Praise God. It's not what? It's not, just, it's not an event. Even though when you hear the word, um, that's why maybe they could have said wedding. But they didn't really say, well, you might say, oh, you're, just, you're just playing on words, but I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just playing on words. I'm telling you that anytime you are talking about soul, there's nothing in the soul dimension that is just one day. One day you come and say, ah, I married yesterday. Are <laughs> you not seeing my whole glow now has changed? Praise God. My whole, are you not checking that something about me is different? Are you not seeing the radiance of my, my soul right now? Because I just, my marriage just happened. It's not like that. There's way this, also all these verses, thank God, the Lord is renewing our mind concerning all these things because we've read all these things before. Number one, that come is talk, it's, it was supposed to be rapture. We thought it was rapture. We are praying, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. And then the person who is crying for Jesus to come, Jesus, in his mind, is thinking, the last thing you need right now is for me to come. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lord, we are ready. When are you going to come? Come. Jesus said, no, no. You have no... The last thing you need is for me to come in that sense where you are thinking. That's not the sense of my coming. All right? So, like all these things, this is not rapture. It's not rapture. And neither is the marriage. I don't know, where do we place marriage in that theology? Was it on the last day that marriage happened? Was it the last day? And I'm not too familiar with all those things. (laughs) Praise God. Um... Then there's a way we envision a marriage ceremony, eh? That Jesus will stand and then 
all his brides will line up. For, for <laughs> <laughs> if it's that kind of the, the guy, any guy, guys they invited to that kind of marriage should not be happy because the time that it's going to take <laughs> for to finish all the marriages that all the wives that he wants to marry. Amen. But that marriage is not. It's not just, it's not a one-day thing. The, the marriage is, actually, is a school. The marriage means joining, how they can make these two become one. So it's very clear that for a soul to become one with another soul is a very serious thing. Praise God. It's a very serious um, it's a very serious task that I mean, there has to be some marriage means there has to be some losing of certain things, right? And gaining of other things, right? It's a process whereby one's person is completely dissolved, right? For to fit into the other. Why they they they're able to break. You know, marriage is powerful. There are some transformation that only marriage can can bring about, because nothing else is is powerful enough to demand such a thing. There's some there's some change I can demand from my wife, and she can demand from me, that I cannot demand from anybody. I don't actually have the right to. I don't have the right to demand certain kind of change because we don't have that kind of covenant. The agreement, we don't agree about some things, so I cannot demand things, right? So it's very clear that the demand for change is resting upon agreement, right? You cannot demand me to change to something when we never had an agreement concerning that thing. There's no basis for me to require some things from you. You get what I'm saying? But if we didn't have an agreement, and, and the agreement we had is to be one. So it means that I can demand things from any area I see that we are not one in this area. I can place a demand that in this area there's still some gap here that needs to be, to be changed. So you see why you cannot separate this marriage of the Lamb from the everlasting covenant. That the, the, the covenant, is, the marriage is actually a covenant which has agreement about something. Are you <laughs> what is everlasting covenant? Everlasting covenant is just, is just your agreement to change. It's the agreement, it's, a, it's the agreement to change everything that is, does not align with the nature of the lamb. And it's not easy for the soul to arrive at that Commit covenant. You're seeing the journey that must happen, that must occur. I think I was teaching the other time when I said that the the way the prophet put that chapter, that the first word is, oh, come. It means that the guy they are calling is not very near. He's not by the side. If, he, if the guy was very close, say, oh boy, just drink small. Just drink that. Just, just whisper, please. Can you just drink? It's time to drink. 
But the prophet was shouting, oh, come, oh, he that best come. And means that they are very far, what? Away. That they must journey, they must journey, they must journey, they must journey, they must. You see that water of life? They must be drinking of the, the water of life. Praise the Lord. They must keep drinking. And as they are drinking, they will be getting nearer and nearer. Praise God. That, let's see that Isaiah chapter 55. Amen. Are you being blessed this morning? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes, Praise God. Yes. Glory to Jesus. Yes. Now, so you see, this call is, is, is actually a call that is traveling very far. But the people who hear the call, a lot of times when you hear the call, you cannot really interpret what you are being called to very clearly. You cannot interpret it because being married to the Lamb is not, some of us who are sitting here, we are shaking our head, but we don't really, we don't really, you know what I mean? Praise God. And, and I, please don't stop shaking your head. I'm enjoying <laughs> I'm enjoying the shake of your head, you know? And it's good you're shaking your head so, we can, so that we can push out the call, you know what I mean? Amen, praise God. But that shake of head doesn't necessarily mean that we fully understand, you know, this, oh, okay, ah, it's not this agreement, okay, ah, we're the one, we're on the lamb, you know what I mean? Praise God. That for a lot of us, there's more disagreement than agreement. When it comes to the, the covenant, the everlasting covenant. Praise God. I, I love that, this chapter too much. You know why? You know why? Because, because they didn't just, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, then go and make the covenant. He told you that this covenant is what you call the sure mercies of David. That this thing is actually. Heaven, you know, this is nothing that a man will do, but they tie the covenant to show mercy. That every line of the covenant you read, you're not just reading an expectation, you're actually reading mercy. They are not mercy that can fail. They are talking about what they bind the covenant with. The power of the covenant is mercy. Right? When, when, they, when you cross into the most holy, power changes to mercy. Right? Power changes toward mercy. Pure mercy. Pure mercy world. The most holy realm is a pure... It's a pure realm of mercy. It's, it's, a, it's a realm where mercy begins to act in a, raw, in a raw form. Praise God. Mercy begins to what? What is mercy? Mercy just means help. Right? Mercy means help. Help. That which... Mercy is the power. There is a difference between grace and mercy, you know, but they are, the same, they are the same kind of thing. When you check them, they are the same kind of species. 
mercy and grace. They are the same kind of species. Um, because you see, when, when mercy, when mercy wants to walk, sometimes mercy will then open up himself. Say, okay, I won't. The way I will operate, I will have to give birth to grace. Right? Because we say we should come to, to the throne of grace. We obtain mercy and then find grace to help. Obtain mercy, find grace to help. So mercy can give birth to grace. It can, it can transform into grace. It's still mercy in operation. It means that, what does that mean? It means just the agenda is help. You understand? The agenda is just to help. So, so mercy can transform into grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then to bring forth help graciously. You see, in the, the, the realm of Christ, the world of Christ is a gracious realm. It's a gracious dimension. It's actually a gracious world. Amen. But so, so that, grace, that grace that's operating in Christ is a, is a child of mercy. It's an offshoot of mercy. mercy. If mercy doesn't move, grace will never come. You must obtain mercy to find grace. You understand what I mean? So, but, but I, I want to define it this way. Don't, please, don't, don't, my, this definition is not for, I'm not giving you textbook. I'm just trying to impart spirit of an understanding. Uh-huh. So, don't take it in a letter way. Drink the spirit of what I want to say. Now, grace, praise God. When you are in the realm of Christ, or grace act gives, is what enables the soul to do what is possible. There's a realm of, of possibility for man that grace would then enable the soul to do what is possible. Right? Like, the realm of Christ is a, is, a, is a new realm of possibility for a man. But it's just that you can unveil that realm of possibility, but the man might not be able to fulfill it without grace. So grace, right, must help the soul fulfill that thing of Christ. But beyond Christ, when it's so moved from Christ, you move into the world of impossibility, things that are impossible for men to do. Anything that is everlasting or eternal, that word of God. The definition of God is impossibility when it comes to a man, right? It's, it's just impossibility. Things that just check, pick property of his nature. Just begin to pick them. One, two, three, be counting, you'll be seeing impossible, 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 impossible. When you were counting the things that make up God's nature, his attribute. You say, ah, God, you, are, you, you love. Ah, me, I also love too. We are like each other. But when you now check, now check his own kind of how he loves. Hey, you wish, Jesus, how can, is this, this is not love, this is death. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? It's not the same thing. <laughs> well, you, you are a lover, but what you, in, the way love is in God is death. Is that, this is another thing entirely. This, this actual kind of thing is actually impossible. You understand what I mean? That God is, you get what I'm trying to say? So, so God just means impossibility. So in the realm of God, the enabler in God is raw mercy. So mercy is the, mercy is the grace of impossibility. Do you understand what I mean? 
It's the mercy is the grace of impossibility. Is that is what is beyond just helping a man to do things. It is mercy is praise God. When they spoke concerning Jesus, it's it's made not after the law of a canon commandment, but after the power of an endless life. See that thing called power of an endless life is mercy. Right? Mercy is the power of an endless life. It's it's the power behind life that will not what? That cannot end. Unending life is a property of God. It's not the property of a man. So, grace can make a soul have life, but it will take mercy to make a soul have life more abundantly. It's beyond himself to have life. I, I'm trying to explain what mercy is to you. You know, these are English words, but yeah, there's an understanding behind them. Get what I'm So, when they speak about the everlasting covenant, the everlasting covenant, the power of that covenant is the sure mercy. They call it the sure mercy of David. Why David? David was a man who, who fulfilled the type, is a type of, of the kind of mercy. His life was a type of, the, of dealing of mercy, of, of dealing of an everlasting commitment to a soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So it's very clear that he who was able to take the book from the hand of him that sat had to be coming with that kind of power. The kind of power. When, when, when Jonas cried and he was weeping, he said he, he wept much because there was no man found worthy. That word no man means that there was no, no man found worthy. No man was able to take the book and to reveal it because of because that book pertains to things that are beyond the realm. Everything about the book is impossible to man. So when he got there, he began to weep that we, they found no man. No man means no man. Nobody was found able to do. But now, but he now said, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Right? The, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Who is the root of David? Is he that has, that has, that has the sure mercy of David. Right, is it was actually is a root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Amen. That that's being who, so it's very clear that that being has an everlasting covenant, right? That the Lamb who was able to take the scroll out of the hand of the book, that he won't be able to do that if he doesn't have sure mercy. It means is he that was able to do what no man could do, that was making John to cry. No man can do it. No man can do it. Nobody can do it. It's not possible. This is impossible. It's impossible to reach and to take the, the scroll. And then not just to take it, to open it. To open it means that he's a, he has the ability to, you know what it means to unlock the seal of God's life. What are those seals? The seals, the seal is the, is the stamp of impossibility. The seal of what, what seals the book that nobody can access it 
without strange help of God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so the Lamb of God is the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Behold the Lamb of God. You know, when John saw him walking and prophetically said, Behold the Lamb of God, I take it away the sin. So they call him the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Who is, who is the Lamb? The Lamb is who? The, the, the Lamb is the, is the, the, The lamb is something, is an animal that is fashioned to draw out mercy from the shepherd. What the shepherd can never do for you, he can do it for his lamb. No, the lamb is not just a sheep that's walking, not the sheep that they lead. That's one level. The lamb is the baby. It's that one that when the shepherd sees him, his heart, there's something he can, he just becomes... He just, he, just, he just becomes all his guard and all his, you know, his heart just melts. The lamb melts the heart of the shepherd. That there is no, if the shepherd will leave the 99 and go for one sheep, what will he do for a lamb? <laughs> what will he do for a lamb? You know, the lamb, the lamb is the baby sheep. It's helpless in every way. So, what does it mean to be completely helpless? It means he's fully at the mercy of the shepherd. The, the shepherd knows that if I don't help this lamb, this lamb can never be helped. This lamb, the, I am the only answer. All the problem of this lamb, I am the one. I'm the only one who can solve it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are, do you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so, so the, the picture of a lamb, lamb means helpless. A lamb means helpless, helpless lamb. The state of being a lamb is the state of helplessness. Helplessness. And helplessness means it's a state that awakens mercy from God. So what fights our Access to mercy is all our help that we have, that has been, we surround ourselves with. And the world has given to us. Satan has given us helps as gifts. Don't worry, this one will help you every time. When you're losing confidence, look at this side. You will gain your confidence back. When you're, when you're feeling, when you're feeling naked, praise God. When you're feeling naked, thank you, Jesus. If you're feeling naked, there is, a, there is a device of clothing, praise God, that the Satan, Satan is bad. That's, that's his job. His job is to, he too has sworn a covenant. And his job is that you, for every soul is that you will never be in a point where you are completely helpless. Because it's a very dangerous, it's dangerous for him for you to be in that state. Because the moment you fall in there, God will arrive. So he knows this. He knows how man must be. And once he can put things around you and check it out, these things are there, no problem. He can go and sleep. He knows that God will never come there. Because he knows the state that calls for God. He knows the attitude, the position, the, the way of a, of a soul. 
I lift up my eye into the hills from where it cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven. That's Psalm 119, right? It was the, sorry, 121. That's Psalm 121, Psalm of David. Praise God. David, for, for David, for them to name mercy after David, you, you need to understand where they took him from. They, they, they took David from, how do you make a man entirely helpless? That's, how, that's the story of David. Wow. <laughs> then, the, praise God. His whole story is helplessness, right from when he was in the bush, his own parent. Imagine your father would give back to you. Actually, it, it left his memory at some point that you exist. That, imagine you just got somehow, he just forgot the brain cells that, that record you in his mind. Just, they just, they stop working. You know what I mean? <laughs> he took somewhere to keep asking, is there no other one? Is there no other one? Imagine what kind of a being is that? Imagine that kind of life. That's where he came from. That's his origin. Not counting. Not mattering. And then they brought him. And then for other people, when they anoint you king, it's time to celebrate. Good things will happen. Very soon they are taking him to the throne, but his own is a different <laughs> entirely. They had, to, they had to move him into a season where, where he felt he had more help when he was in the bush. <laughs> by himself, among lions and other strange animals. He, he felt more clothed in the wilderness by himself than the season that the anointing they poured on him, brought him into. Imagine where the, the man who commands all the army of Israel has sworn to kill you, that you are my project. So, so imagine where... Do you know what I'm <laughs> You know, all these stories, when you read them, they just sound like story, uh, David was a strong guy, see, you need to put yourself in that guy's situation. So where armies who are raised to fight nations, the king turned them to look for you, just you, only one of you. Do you know what I mean? That how more helpless, your father cannot help you. Your mother cannot help you. All your friends cannot help you. Your village, even if they come together, they can't fight Saul's army. <laughs> Are you getting one? <laughs> I'm just trying to show you. I'm showing you, I'm showing you how mercy moves. The kind of being that mercy looks for. What about Jesus? Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Aha. Praise God. Hallelujah. Even, even grace is made perfect in weakness. How much more mercy? Ah. When there was a thorn in his flesh, yeah. and they sent the messenger of Satan to buffet him, he said, I besought the Lord three times. Jesus said, look, you know, this is a different school, man. This is not time for you to pray for deliverance. I want to, I want to make you fashionable for something else. That's, so don't worry, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in what? Then how much more? What what if they want to now have mercy on his soul? What kind of dealing? What kind of how would that soul be fashioned for the mercy of God to find the soul? So when they say the sure mercy of David, David had so at my time he eventually became king. 
any concept of clothing, when you take, imagine a soul having that kind of experience. Then you now bring him to a nice house, two couch here, TV, big screen TV, swimming pool. A man like that has no use for those things. His, his experience has, has damaged him to a point where he can, he can no longer recognize comfort in the natural. Things that comfort men will not feel comfortable to him. After a point, he said, The only one thing have I desired for the Lord, how will I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord? To inquire in his temple, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire his only temple. Why? Because he's a king, that he has a palace, he has where to sleep, he has money, he has everything, but they had, they had done things to his soul that he, he, has, he sees the vanity of everything. That if push comes to shove, none of these things can save me. <laughs> None of these things can save. Are you get what I'm saying? He was in the, that process. David got acquainted with God. All he had was commandment, testimony, precept. Someone that we now began to say, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sin, and not sitting in the sin. But whose delight is in the Lord? In the Lord does he meditate what day and night? Where, do, where does that revelation come from? His experience. It's not. It's not just talking about his experience. It's like he has literally been, in, been suspended in a state where all is delight. There's not, imagine nothing else to make you happy. There's nothing that can make you safe. Your only comfort is in what? It's in God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Jesus said that I am, he said I am the root and the offspring of David. He's telling that my own part was, when they were trying to, what they were doing to me, it was a Davidic program to make me a candidate of mercy. Because anybody who is destined for the throne of God must be a candidate of mercy. Praise God. It must be what? It was, it was mercy that sat Jesus on the throne. To get to that place, they made him, they esteemed him stricken in the book of Isaiah. See, who had believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Can you read Isaiah chapter 53 very quickly? Just concerning, praise God, concerning Jesus, praise God. Verse 1 says, who had believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord Revealed. What, what is the meaning of that? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? What is that word? That word arm means strength. Who do they reveal the strength of the Lord to? The arm of the Lord. Say, For he shall, talking about this being now, Jesus, he shall grow up before him as what? A tender, as a tender plant. He will grow up before him. What is the meaning of tender? Tender means that he's very, he's very helpless. A tender plant is what? Is a helpless plant. And as a root out of dry ground, means that it can easily die. Means that a root out of dry, dry ground means that that growth is, is, is a root that is growing mercifully. Is, is growing in a place where nothing should grow. Means that 
There is no, you know what a soil should do? The interaction between a soil and a seed to make something grow is not happening. There's nothing there, but it's growing out mercifully. It means it's not sustained by the environment. Something else is making it to grow out. As a root out of dry ground, he had, he had no form, no comeliness. That word comeliness means it's nice, you can appreciate it, you desire it, it looks pretty, it looks beautiful. And he said, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that word we should. What's the meaning of this? If something has no beauty to be desired, it means that it has no covering. Right? It has no what? It has no covering. He has no beauty that we should desire. If he has no beauty, it has no covering. And it means that in this world, it will not have help. You're right? In this world, it will not have, you need to understand this, what they are saying here is very, very deep. When no beauty, means that they didn't surround Jesus. No matter what people might like, might like to say, Jesus was not an appealing guy. In terms of just men, it's only people who God helped that will find him appealing. But he wasn't really like an appealing guy like that. It was even made him, there's a way they would have made him appealing that he would not end up dying. They will like him. <laughs> he just offended people. He doesn't know why he offends them. Just the, say, the, the, the configuration which God gave to him. You know, anything without beauty will suffer. Beauty that is at least enough to make you desirable. If you don't have enough beauty to make you desirable in this world, you suffer. Why do they have to clothe a baby with so much beauty? Why? They have to. If a baby doesn't look, oh, so cute. Uh, if a baby wasn't like that, let's say a baby has a demeanor of a grown adult, a mean face, boning and everything. What will happen? <laughs> what will happen? Baby's in, baby's in trouble. Oh, why? It, it means that after a while, the parents can easily forget to feed them or so. You see that love pampering? Some wicked guys have done experiment before where the two children, they give birth to them. One of them, they give normal pampering, touch them, you take care of them, feed everything. The other one, when you want to feed them, feed them through a straw. Don't touch them, no touch. Very mean experiment. You know those crazy guys, they've done evil things in the past. That baby didn't last for too long. I forget how long that baby lasted for. Right, because babies need that what? Attention, that hugging, that it's a need to stay alive. You know what I mean? So that's why they clothe the baby with all those beauty so that you can desire them. You take care of them. Their little cry will just wake you up because they look like angels to you. You know, babies are, are they're armed with that because of their, their state. They need plenty of help. So it means that that thing called beauty brings cause for, for help. But this man didn't have that. I'm not talking about just physical appearance. I'm talking about when he moved they're talking here about Jesus among men as the Messiah. 
among men as the Messiah, that what he was wearing on him made him undesirable to men, that his own people rejected him to the point where they chose a murderer, that Barabbas, the murderer, was more, had more beauty and comeliness to them than Jesus. Do you understand that? <laughs> Praise God. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our word, sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, and then we know he was wounded for our transgression, was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so I was just trying to explain to us that uh, the lamb, praise God, the lamb who we ought to marry. So the, the state to marrying the lamb is to be able to agree with the terms of his covenant or the covenant of his life, which is, is to agree with being one with him. It's not a trivial agreement. The agreement to be one with him, as they are showing you everything about him, the everlasting covenant is the agreement to be one with the Lamb. Agreement, not mental, I agree. As a matter of fact, many of us cannot agree. Why? Because you don't know what they're asking you to agree to. You agree, so the agreement is progressive according to revelation. You can only agree or not agree with aspect of his nature that they have shown to you. Praise God, right? So if they haven't shown you things about him, you might, the idea of being one with him might, might be so sweet. Say, I agree today, all my heart, but you've not really seen things. Like this, let's, this, this aspect we just spoke about now, do you like it? Oh, you like it? You're a very holy boy. <laughs> Amen. You know the aspect I just spoke about? Which aspect? Uh-huh. I described David, all of those. You, you like all those things. Uh, how many of you know that there will be equivalent dealings in your life? To, to, it might not be that maybe Justin Trudeau will be looking for you to kill you with his army. No, it's not that. They know how to do it. The, the end goal is to remove your covering. All the things, all your help. That thing where your soul goes to rest, that yeah. give you confidence yeah. in your person, your life, the thing you surrendered yourself with that makes you too busy to, for God sometimes. That the, the, the thing that makes you not need God too much, you're not, not like that. You know what I mean? You don't really, you can need Him in terms of general, you know, we need God, but need God. Like God, if I don't need you, I will die. Where your, your constant reality, you are, you are baptized into the need for God. You are, you are in touch with your wretchedness outside of him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That thing cannot be wrought. One message can rot it. Dealings must happen to your soul. 
They must take the soul through things to. The soul must, things must happen to you to see the worthlessness and the helplessness in the things that you've surrounded yourself with as a covering. They must bring you into a season that will make those things fail. It means that they must introduce you to a season that will make your, your social status fail. You may be your money or your, your, your brightness, how smart you are. Or, so of us, our covering is our ability. We can talk ourselves out of anything. You know, we just, you're in a tight spot. Just say one of a few things. You know what to say to get yourself out of it. That thing can be a cloth. It can be a comfort. You know, last, last, I know what I would tell them. I know, I know how I would do it. You know, we know how we do it. Secretly, you know how you always do it. And that thing is a, is a rest for the soul. All kinds of things that Satan needs for soul. He shared them. Some of them, when you look at this gene, you know, this gene is more compatible. Hey, bring that cloth. They try it. Ah, but not really fit too much. Let's get the other one. They are, they are matching thing, garments, with our own person. That's what the world has done for us. Praise the Lord. So they have to bring you on that serious season to remove those things from the soul. Any, any, any man who they brought into everlasting kind of dealing, you know, when you, you, you trace back, you move into the, the you know, you not, that, this season was gone from the earth, the old time of the law and all that, but when you go before the law into the season of the fathers, Right, there was a type of an everlasting dealing that God did. When God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's not just I just I just title myself that way. It's not a title. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not one of the names of God. When God is saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, he was saying something. He was actually saying something that these men I am I'm not ashamed to be called their God. Therefore, God was not ashamed to be called their God because of some things. Have you, have you been through what Abraham went through? When you began to ask God, God, what will I get that sin I go childless? You know, a child is a defense, is a shield. At that time, what a child means to a man. So what will I get? God said, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. So I have to shield you first. That's everlasting life. To be a reward to you with eternal life. So it means shield is mercy. Shield. When God to shield, God won't shield a man who already has shields around him. It must be an unshielded soul. So all those dealing with Abraham is to leave him unshielded for decades. Unclothed. Anything can happen to him. He doesn't have a son. He might have servants, but you know that if war comes, these servants, they can leave me and go. So, if, so imagine him having servants, having armies and all that, but he might not feel too secure because he doesn't trust. There's no blood link between him and his, let's say, his chieftain of his army. Even though, Daddy Abe, one inside. <laughs> is there anything you want? Abraham doesn't trust that thing because you know that this guy who's bound before me, he has his people. He has his own father. One day his father can call him and he might go. 
I get what I'm so without a son, in that, you need to understand that kind of time. A son is everything. You've not settled. You are not, you are not safe. Nothing you have is safe without a son. So God, imagine God leaving a man naked, unclothed like that for decades. So it's to rot something in him. What about the dealing of Jacob? Go and read Jacob's own story. That's another um, an entire kind of thing that culminated in him literally warring with an angel. And an angel put his hand in his tire and shifted it. That after that dealing, he needed, a, he needed to be walking, walking stick. Are uh, you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> Imagine almighty Jacob walking with walking stick. You know who Jacob was? Jacob was a bad guy. When you first saw him in the Bible, Amen. Amen. But God dealt with him. God dealt with him. So if you're anybody that's ready to marry the lamb, huh? there's a state, you must be a virgin. Who's a virgin? The marriage means the Joining to a head, right? To join you to the head. That's the, from Paul's revelation, we understand that. That the, the husband of the wife is the head. Who is the head? The head is the covering. Paul spoke about all those things. That the man upon the woman is her what? Is her what? Is her covering. So it means that, but you don't cover something that is covered. You don't cover some. That's why some a woman, it's not a woman is ready to be covered, is that she's helpless. She's helpless. She's broken. She's a virgin. That's a sign that a woman is ready to what? To marry. If a woman has coverings, there's no space for a husband. Sometimes that's the problem. <laughs> some women, the world has made them a covering. They are ready to, they look for a man to cover. <laughs> all these feministic, all these things. With that, all those movements, they don't know what woman is. They don't understand order. They don't know what God created. The order of God. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a good thing for you to try to be like him, for a woman to be like a man. That's not our place. There is a beauty in needing a covering. That be- the beauty of needing a covering is the beauty of a woman. It's not weakness. Do you understand what I mean? It's not, it's not weakness. The, you, have to be, you have what it takes to be one with that feeling. And find fulfillment. When I say fulfillment, I mean, yeah. and to be to be to fall into that disposition and not feel like there's something wrong with you. Do you understand what I mean? I'm just speaking now. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And you know that not everyone who gets married has fully fulfilled that thing. 
But if you are young, you're not married yet, those are the things that you should, you should increase in. Don't, don't increase in being strong and independent. You are not, it's not you. <laughs> Praise God. You are growing the wrong way, man. Come back and take the other direction. That's not your glory. That's not your glory. That's not what, you won't look beautiful. You won't be beautiful. Neither will you be happy or satisfied. A woman, happiness is not in that thing. God is not designed for a woman to, to gain satisfaction and happiness that way. If you frame yourself that way, you will not be happy. You might feel secure, but you will not. You won't. You're not meant to be that way. You are meant to be covered. You are meant to enjoy covering. You're meant to enjoy what? Enjoy covering. Praise God. And then some, some of us who are married, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like saying some of us are married because we are very few. <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. That marriage is, as a woman, you are married, you is. Continue to uncover yourself. Continue to uncover you. All your, the strength that is there that should not be there, the covering, all the things, take them off. Take them off. Take them off. God has brought a guy who should cover you, who should be your strength. When they said, well, she, deal with us, the weaker vessel, it's not, God didn't make a mistake. It's not the Bible that said she is the weaker vessel. So it means that weakness is her. Inheritance. That is, 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 a, is a mark that she should be checked. Am I weak enough? No, I'm not. Let me become weaker. I want to inherit all my weakness. That is the. What the word, the word has painted that word is a bad thing. Is a, no, 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 no. It's not, it's, not, it's not a bad thing. It's like you going to stand before God and your goal is to be strong. You want to go and shoot God. I can't stand. Can you see me? Like, that's foolishness. You are supposed to be God's baby. That's your enjoyment. Your enjoyment is for, for him to be your, your shield. That was what God was trying to tell Abraham, calm down. I want, to, I want to help you. I want to be your shield. I want to make you, I want to bring you into a, a better state than other men who, who have armies and sons as their own shield. I want to be your own shield. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So everlasting life. Okay, let's just quickly end. Let's go to Revelation and just pick. Um, <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. So you know, so you're seeing the concept of the marriage, Right? To the Lamb, you can you can understand it. We're talking about making covenant. It's another world of covenant. It's, it's a higher covenant. The marriage covenant is the covenant of oneness. The covenant of what? Oneness. The covenant of what? Oneness. Amen. Amen. So, the it means in Jesus, in His blood. The the covenant. I want to say this: this is the blood. This is the New Testament in my blood. Right, it means the testament is the, the details of the covenant. It's inside his blood. That in the testament of his blood, there is an aspect of it that is called the 
blood of the everlasting covenant. In Hebrews, where is that again? You see, they divide the blood, the blood of Jesus in Hebrew is divided into two kinds, into two types. There's the blood of the everlasting covenant. There's the blood of Christ. Amen. Did anybody find that place? Is it Hebrews actually? Oh. That should be Hebrews chapter chapter thirteen. Uh-huh, it's Hebrews thirteen. Praise God. Hebrews chapter thirteen from verse twenty. <clears throat> Hebrews twenty, thirteen twenty. Are you there? So it says now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great word, shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the word, everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his word, his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his, his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be what? Glory forever and ever. Are you seeing that? So when they say blood of everlasting covenant, it's the blood of Jesus, but they are speaking about the specific aspect of his, that blood. Do you see that? So when he says, come and then I will make an everlasting covenant with you, so that everlasting covenant is made with a soul as the soul partakes of the ministry of the blood of the everlasting covenant, which is the second aspect of the blood of Jesus. Right? But first, there is the blood of Christ, which administers the covenant of Christ. Is also... Another, what is the covenant of Christ? Another, another set of agreements. The first set of agreements that has to be made before the word, the everlasting. So, the covenant, the everlasting covenant, or the blood of the everlasting covenant, is where someone will buy into the life, the agreement, the genetics of oneness. Do you see that? Well, before that, there is another covenant which is ministered to a soul with another agreement. It's the first agreement that has to be the stepping stone. It's agreement of brotherhood. Are you seeing that? Agreement of brotherhood. Agreement of oneness. In a family, those are the two levels. The brotherhood has, exists at the level of the children. That higher than that, you have the covenant of what? Oneness. The way God made it in the natural is that he made it so very, very clear that 
the one oneness one is an impossibility. And that impossibility, what impossibility means, it is not, it's not in the same order, it's invisible. So you, when you take two brothers in the physical, check their blood, you say these are, they, they share genes. But take the father and the mother. You can't see their covenant in testing their blood. But it's a higher covenant. It's stronger. Means that looking at their blood does not carry the information of that higher covenant. It is, it is an it is a covenant that came from the realm of impossibility. And they say, for this cause, man leave his father and his mother. Are you talking about impossibility? Leaving father and mother, what are you talking about? Men don't leave their father and their mother. Then you now added on to, and be joint. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> then you now said at the end, and the two shall become one flesh. What are you talking about? <laughs> marriage is always, it's always going to be a problem. As long as the earth remains, it, <laughs> marriage shall be a problem. <laughs> it's, because it speaks of an impossibility. Is a type. Paul said, I speak of a mystery between what? Christ and the church. It's a mystery. Forget about it. It's an impossible something. It's, it's a thought from the everlasting mind of God. A thought from the everlasting realm of God. It's an everlasting thought. Marriage is an everlasting thought. Praise God. So, the detail of marriage, you can only find that in the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's a, it's a special kind of thing. It's an impossibility. It's that, and that covenant is only, up, is only explained by mercy. That's why the, the only thing that can bind the husband and the wife is mercy. If you don't know the secret of marriage, it's mercy. The, what I said, the secret of what? Marriage. The secret of marriage is what? It's mercy. That's I've given the answer now, see? Very easy now. So, we all have the answer. So, those of you who want to marry now, you can go and marry. <laughs> Praise God. I'm joking. Praise God. But, that's the answer. So, the, the last thing is that, okay, now go, go and figure out what mercy means. Mercy. So, don't, be, don't marry a woman and don't marry a man un, until you are ready to do impossible things. That's why, when you're saying, that's why I don't believe in all these things that say, ah, you, you guys are quarreling, what happened? Ah, this one said, he did this ah, the other time, the other time he did that, I said this and did that. The other one will say, no, 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 but every single, you are judging matter that. I pity for marriage counselors, praise God. Because <laughs> imagine your profession is to solve an impossible problem. That, that, is, your, <laughs> that is your profession. Are you confused? So it's not in, amen, the, the, 
marriage is not in all those things. Oh, let's figure what is our, what are your own like? What are you, what's your language, what's your, your own love language? What is, praise God, yeah. <laughs> See, let me tell you something. If you're not ready to do the impossible, you can get all the love language and put it. It will not. You must be, to be, to be married, to, you must be armed. You must wake up every day with fresh power to do the impossible. So if, he, if you're, already, you're already one with impossibility, then it can't be, can't be telling you, oh, she offended me, offended me, did this. What are you talking about? You have no clue what you are, what you are into. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think the most common cause for divorce is. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Mercy. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Tavino si pratelia sacatave yaloboso prate begereboshi vetila prate legerosa apresi feti locaso peteli maliasa papatalia gadaboshta aventi losi preteli gadabosi preteli venti tosi kali balata bagadaboso prete genata eva fafa fafa talia feta fata fatalia fetalia mecatalia de bosso pate venata Rita Telio Palita Magatali Mabranta Dadadosta. For it is a way to configure you to a being of mercy. It is a way, it is my way, it is my way to configure you to a being that can obtain mercy in my sight. For I need to uncover you and naked you of all your coverings that you may find mercy in my sight. That I would look on you. I have to take away. I have to take away. I have to take away things from you for it is a mercy operation even me thinking things for you is a mercy operation that I may look upon you and show you my mercy be open to seeing my mercy when things come to you be open to them for I am taking things that you may obtain mercy from me says the spirit of the Lord thank you father glory to Jesus amen amen thank you Jesus thank you Jesus praise the Lord Praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord will, the Lord will help us. This is a season of help. You know, God will not just talk about help unless He's ready to help somebody. So, it's not just those are not just words. As long as you, are, if you take them, you will find it will open up avenue in your heart for the help, mercy of God to come to the heart and begin to help your heart and to, to raise you. Mercy is the empowerment for the impossible. I was going to say that the most common reason for divorce in the developed world is what thing they call legally irreconcilable differences. It's actually a legal provision that it's either they commit adultery or not. You know, 
the Jews came and said adultery, that we are divided our own on top of that. Even without adultery, there's something called irreconcilable. What? It means that since that time when they spoke to Jesus, men have studied marriage more to discover that it's really irreconcilable. What is irreconcilable? It means impossibility. That they did counseling, they did everything, they tried to negotiate, they tried to but nobody had what it took to do the impossible. Do you get what I mean? Irreconcilable difference. That's a, but that's a, that's the language of debt. That's grammar of debt. It's a language of defeat. Irreconcilable differences. It's a defeated soul who says that. And I don't blame men because marriage is something that came from the beginning mind of God. Right from the beginning. You know what I mean? So it's asking too much of a soul who hasn't gotten access to that to perfectly fulfill. Uh-huh. Praise God. But you know, right now in the world, we've not been exposed to all the assault against marriage yet. As the world becomes worse and worse and bad and bad and bad, you see, it becomes more and more difficult to fulfill that covenant. That you get to a point where it will be very clear that only everlasting souls can marry. Now, souls who are not everlasting, we can still find a way to do it because of it's not exposed to the, the full harshness of, you know what I mean, that there are still things, you know, the way society is framed, the way society is structured. There's a lot marriage can still lean on. But when they begin to disintegrate this, the framework of society that supports for such things, it will become almost impossible for two people to get married and stay together. It, you need another force, another power. You need a power that can swallow up the the, oppo- the opposing influence of, of men and society and be able to stand with such an agreement upon the earth and stay with it. Souls who are equipped to do the what? The, what? the impossible. Amen. And it's very clear, I was saying to people, was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember. But I was saying that the school for what we call marriage is not, there's no special school you go for marriage. The school is your, sing- is your singlehood, right? It's the time of when you are single, right? And so, and I'm not saying that the purpose of, mar- of your singlehood is to marry. That's not what I'm saying, right? Like we're saying, amen, that the purpose of singlehood, I'm not saying the purpose of singlehood is to marry, no. But in singlehood, you will gain the equipment for marriage. Praise God. They developed the soul. God did not form man for marriage, but God formed him, and then God brought a woman and said, he decided, this is my, the bone of my bone. You know what I mean? It was first, it was formed by God. So part of your singleness formation is God wants you to race quickly. Have a have a desire in your heart for to 
have a desire in your heart to, to come into agreement with the covenant. Just, this is just, all we're just preaching is just things that God has said you must agree to. These are the agreements that you need to make. Agreement means requirement for change. What you, your soul must align with. Praise God. So, I, it's like we went further to talk about the everlasting covenant, but then let's, let's drop a little more to talk about the preparatory covenant, the stepping stone, right? So that when the bride appeared in chapter 19, right? Let's go quickly as we close. <clears throat> in, in chapter 19, thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Verse 7 again, it says, let us, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. So, are you seeing that? His wife had made herself ready. So, what is the readiness? The readiness is the fulfillment of the covenant of brotherhood. Yes, the readiness for the wife is the fulfillment of the covenant of what? Of brotherhood, covenant of brotherhood. The covenant of brotherhood is the preparation for the covenant of marriage. Like, in a home, the brothers and sisters that be are in a school, that after some time, they will graduate to now climb into another covenant that the primary covenant of your life is brother. How do you relate to your brother and your sister? They're they are using that to learn. It's a school. The home is a school. Well, true brotherhood, there's a love they share in brotherhood. That by how they are doing it, that's how the parent will judge that this time for this person to attempt the covenant of marriage. Are you seeing that? That's just in the natural. It is the same thing spiritually. That charity, the covenant of charity, which they call the end of the commandment, the end of the commandment of Christ, or the end of the testimony, or the covenant of Christ, is charity out of a pure heart and of what? A good conscience and of what? Faith on faith. So that covenant is the covenant of brotherhood. Amen. Amen. And the fulfillment of that is the readiness of the bride. It's also the, it's also the covenant. It's also what they were describing as this. It's also the school of virginity, spiritually. Who they refer to as virgins, right? Are, as Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 25 about the virgins. Amen. That... Those virgins, they were actually sisters. Right? It's, these are people who have, who have borne the fruit of the covenant of Christ. Yes, so, amen. So, amen. 
So the, you now begin to understand the, the epistle of John when you're speaking concerning brotherhood. Right. He's trying to, he was around that area where he is talking about people making themselves ready. And then an introduction into the school of marriage. Praise God. So, the sign of the fulfillment of the covenant of brotherhood or the covenant of Christ or the fulfillment of the agreement in the blood of Christ is when they can find a call within the soul which is the call of the spirit and the bride. The call of the what? Spirit and the bride. The call of the spirit and the bride. Praise God. Now, why, why is it the call of the spirit and the bride? It's because of, he's talking about the, the fulfillment of the ministry of the spirit to prepare brides for the lamb. Right, the, the fulfillment of the ministry of the spirit. So when the spirit and the bride are saying come, it means the bride's call is matching the skull of the spirit. That if it's premature, the spirit will not, will not participate in that call. So that is telling you that that bride is a product of the work of the spirit. Right? So it means that that bride is she who has an ear and has heard what the spirit says to the churches. That was what Jesus was saying, that he who had an ear, at the end of each of the letter to the churches, he who had an ear, let him hear what the spirit said to the churches. Jesus was talking about the, the same ministry of the spirit, the ministry of preparation for the bride. Amen. Amen. Now, we see what the Spirit is saying to the churches is the ministry. The Spirit is the interpreter of the covenant in the blood. The one who minister, who unveiled the covenant. The Spirit is the one who brings forth the instruction of, you see that covenant of brotherhood is the Spirit that interprets that covenant. Amen. Amen. The Lord wants to bring us to a season Amen. of Amen. where the, the ministry of the Spirit will, in the auspices or in, the, in, the, in terms of the life of Christ, will come to fruition, to fruit bearing, bearing place. The, 
the fruit of the ministry of the Spirit is how much agreement are being made in soul, in your soul. Yielding to the ministry of the Spirit. Praise God. The, the purpose you see in the book of Isaiah chapter 11, where it says that it says they shall comfort a branch. Amen. A root. Sorry? A branch out of the stem. They shall comfort a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch out of its root. So, a branch out of the stem of JC, a rod out of the stem of JC, and a branch out of the root, his root. Now, when you're talking, why are they mentioning JC there? They are, they are talking about the, the generation that produced David. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. Jesus Christ, the, the merciful lamb, the line of the tribe of David, of line of the tribe of what? Of Judah. Then he calls him the root of David. Uh-huh. The root of David. The Davidic man who has inherited the throne of David. But when you're you're looking at his, that, that being is an evolution of, of an earlier kind of um, state or ministry. So, Jesse is the father of David. I just, it's very clear what I'm trying to say. You understand what I mean? Jesse produced David. Mm-hmm. So, when you talk about the rod out of the stem of Jesse and the branch of his root, he's talking about the, the ministry that will produce the David. The first, the, 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 the first installment of ministry that will then bear fruit, that will move into his Davidic essence. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That that ministry is the ministry of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, right? It shall come from a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch out of his root, and then the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. Spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation, counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and of the what? The fear of the Lord. So you are seeing the spirit of the Lord there. Those seven spirits are the spirit of Christ that whose final ministry is to fulfill the covenant of brotherhood, which is to produce the fruit of charity, the peaceable fruit of righteousness or within the soul. When that, when that ministry has been fulfilled, that's when you hear the cry or the call of the spirit and the bride saying what? Come, saying come, saying come. So, so it means char- it's charity in the heart that calls for the word, for the lamb, calls for the bridegroom. Charity, say charity. Charity, 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 charity. Suffer it long. Suffer it long. Long suffering is kind. Charity has patience. It keeps no offense account of wrong. It envieth not. It wanted not itself. Are you seeing all those 
And then what? He rejoiced not in what? In iniquity, but what? Or rejoiced in the truth. Are you seeing those attributes of charity? Those are the, the power of brotherhood. The things that keep brotherhood. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is going to bring all of us into this fruit. As we continue to excel and to heed to the ministry of the Spirit. It will increase. You will begin to see. Just be be covenant focused. Covenant. Let let the Holy Ghost unveil the instructions, the, the details of as you are in your dealings in life. Let him begin to interpret the covenant to you by the Spirit. Begin to do them, you will begin to see. You will see. One day, the, you, this heart will arrive at a bridal state where there is, you find true longing for oneness with God. Praise God. Do you believe what I said today? I'm just speaking to bless God. And <clears throat> just pray. Pray in anyhow you, you want to pray, whatever. Whatever you need to tell the Lord whatever you need to say to him, however your heart needs to, needs to connect with the, the message and the word that the Lord has said. Whatever place you are able to locate yourself in this part, just begin to Just begin to register your, your, your yieldedness, your commitment to this. Does this future seem beautiful to you? Does it seem, does it call you? Is there, do you have a desire to partake of these covenants? And begin to pray for grace, begin to pray for mercy, begin to pray for help. The different manifestations of help, whatever manifestation of help your soul needs at this time, at this season, right now, whatever manifestation of help you need to come into, just begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to talk to the Lord and just, just begin to speak to Him. Say, Lord, I want... I want help. I want help. I want help. Thank you. Oh, Prahanta Kahigahona. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Begin to ask the Lord to remove obstacles, things, everything that has been a hindrance to being wholly submitted and wholly given to this beautiful future. Oh, the Lord will begin to 
to empower you and help you to overcome every weakness, every weight, every sin that so easily beset us, every configuration of our nature. Every clothing, every garment, every wearing, every safety, every assurance that is false, whatever has been wrought by the enemy to cheat you, to rob you from such a glorious, such a beautiful destiny. So blessed are, are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's begin to ask that you will partake of this blessing. The Lord will help your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father, we thank you. You've heard our prayers, our cry. We're just saying that we, we are interested. We want, we want to finish this cause. We want to arrive at this promise to attain it, Lord. We want there to be a conversion from just that which is written to an actual building, an actual image, an edifice within our soul. Lord, as we are journeying towards this bridal state, Lord, may we find all the help along the way, everything that we need. Lord, I'm going to ask for the prosperity of the ministry of the Spirit that will bring our heart to make this call Lord, as it says, come, 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 even so come. Lord, I pray, oh God, for the walking, the depth of encounters, and Lord, the, those channels of your voice, your saving voice that need to begin to sound within our heart to interpret the the details of the covenant which you are bringing us into. I pray you will cause it to be on the increase and begin to soften and weaken every resistance to obeying, to aligning. Everything that is erected to stop us from coming to the end of the commandment, Lord, I pray you will level them. Every mountain be brought low. Every valley be exalted. For I pray that you will quicken our pace, quicken our step. Quicken our obedience, quicken our hearkening, quicken, Lord, our approach. Thank you, Father. And we yield to the ministry of grace and the ministry of mercy, which will empower us, Lord, to walk in light of these things. Thank you, our God. We worship and we bless your holy name. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You God bless you. Between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between.